Hello, awesome people, and welcome back to the Good to Go Pod. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, for what I have here is episode number seven, season two, talking personal leadership with Anna Fadin here at Blood. Now, I apologize for taking so incredibly long to get this conversation out to you, uh, but what can I say? Life. Um, and on the other side of it is this conversation really, for me, took quite a bit of processing. Um, I've had to listen to it two or three times just to make sure I got all the notes from it that I needed to get uh, because it was, you know, for me it was such a a good and expansive conversation. So without any further ado, I'm going to go straight into the recording and afterwards I'm going to come back with my takeaways as we do and then also with our shout-outs and that kind of stuff. So hang on till the end and we'll come back soon. Here's my conversation with Anna. Okay, all right, and we're recording. Hello, awesome people. Welcome back to the Good To Go pod. I'm your host, Good To Go Joe, as you can see or hear if you're listening or watching. And today I have with me Anna Thurdin Blood. Sorry, that's where my Swedish just falls over. Thank you for joining me today on my little podcast. I'm really excited about this particular conversation. We're going to be talking about leadership and self-leadership and things like that. But first of all, Anna, tell us who you are and what do you do? Hi, thanks for inviting me. Uh, My name is Anna, as you said, and I work with leadership and team development since 15, 20 years, maybe. Okay. And uh, at the base, I'm, I studied economics once uh, many, many years ago and got in, pulled into business world. So I worked a lot in, in that type of world um, in consulting and big industry and public sector and you name it. And then I've gotten gradually more and more interested in how do we learn as adult and, adults and how do we develop as leaders whichever position we have in an organization, how do we develop in how we undertake our work and our place in the world? And therefore, I've also on the way become a psychosynthesis counselor, which informs my work quite a lot. Hold on, I have to write that down. Psychosynthesis is one of those tricky words, but it holds some beauty in it. And I'm happy to go back to that. Um, it's basically, a, a, again, an approach to personal development and, and a, a view of how do I evolve and blossom in who I am. And one thing that Asad Joli, the founder, said once, for example, how do I learn to live as a soul on earth? Oh, goodness. How do we do that? So, <laughs> so within the concept of leadership in my, my world, there's the super practical business life. And then there's the soulful, almost mm. mystical aspect of what does it mean to be a human being in the midst of all this? And I, I'm writing in my notes here, practical versus soulful. Yeah. And so I'm, oh. I'm already leading up for this. this. <laughs> I've got, you know, there's a little bit of self-therapy going on here. Mm. Um, so first question off the bat for me is, is, there, and I don't know if this is just me getting older or or because time, the times are changing, uh, but when did we change from this real materialistic need to just, like in, particularly in business where leadership was this whole uh, do as I say, you will do what I tell you, follow me, but you're going forward, <laughs> you know, lead me, lead me into the trenches, but I'm going to put you first so I don't get shot kind of thing. May or may not be speaking from experience there from my own previous work experience. Anyway, and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously being a young person in the 90s and the early 2000s coming up through, uh, you know, having CEOs and business managers and that kind of stuff who are very materialistically focused, and here I find myself in 2021 having conversations about leadership where it is all about personal development and learning to connect with who you are as a human if you want to be a better leader. When did that change? Like, and, and how? And not that it's a bad thing. Like, I'm so grateful for it. Well, I, don't, 
I I don't know if it really has changed or if okay. it's more the 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 meta the way we see ourselves and the different roles we can take. I'm thinking back to to the 20th century. You know, we've gone through two world wars. Mm -hmm. I bet there has been a fair share of both the very authoritarian leadership to make that happen. Um, I saw this amazing film the other day, The Reader with uh, uh, Kate Winslet, I think. Oh, yeah. Where she, um, well, it's it's all about this sort of uh, the carrying of, of guilt. Um, mm -hmm. She gets pulled in not knowing what she's doing as an SS soldier in, in, the, in the war. And or a, and she has to kind of, yeah, face this. And what did she do and why? So we can get pulled into those types of situations. They make us behave one way. Mm. We will always seek survival because mm. we are organisms, we're human being, beings. And if, the, if we feel that the requirement is that we just lead in an authoritarian way, because survival demands that, we'll do it. And I think, frankly, most people are capable of it. If we're in a more safe place, we can expand the other part of us, which is more seeking uh, health and development and expansion. And I personally, I think all people, and this may be a bold statement, have both seeds in them. Mm. And that's why I, I, I don't categorically at least want to go with the idea that it's shifted. Mm. I grant you that said that there's a lot more conversation about this. How do we connect back to this? sense of authenticity I, in fact i had a coaching conversation this morning about it how do i work between move between the successful part of me that just wants to have um, earn a place in the world mm. and the authentic part of me that wants to be free <laughs> you know and this is from a 30 something woman who's just wonderful and the, mm. the struggle is within Oh, the struggle is within. So then what does, in your definition, what does self-leadership mean? Mm. It's a big word, isn't it? We often have heard it a, a lot of having worked with leadership development and also counseling and now supervising and so forth. Yes, the term self-leadership comes often in the sense that in order to be a good leader, you have to be able to lead yourself. Mm. The Oracle of Delphi in Greece said the answer to what you need to do is know yourself, know mm. thyself. And I think that from all of this, which is then, as you hear, not a really new message either, but it, it has to be repeated all the time. How do I know myself in order to understand how I contribute to any situation? And if we are in an actual formal position of leadership, this becomes extra useful this practice of being able to reflect on who am I, how do I enter into action with other people and what are my motivations for that? And I would say that this, this what we already talked about, am I acting out of fear or need for safety? Where am I acting out of development and trust is one of those things that, that self-leadership and self-awareness can help us see much more clearly uh, how we're actually motivated. And, and if we are willing and able to make that journey, and it's not an easy one, and it doesn't necessarily end, then I believe that something shifts in our leadership and yeah. other people will follow us more. Cool. <laughs> that was a big question, wasn't it? <laughs> it is. It's huge. And in fact, it's underpinning the whole. There, I'll give you another angle to it self leadership, which is not so much from the business world, but more from psychosynthesis. Yeah. where we, some, we sometimes speak of this idea that there, think of it as we have inner voices, inner parts of us that want different things. Some people are like, what? Are you saying that I'm schizophrenic? Uh, no, but I would still say that even when I debate with myself whether or not to have a croissant, you know, should I? Should I not? Mm. There are different dialogues going on. So this is happening all the time. It's a part of making sense of our experience. And uh, we call, sometimes there are formations. For example, I can have a longing for freedom or I can have a longing to be really successful in my work. Yep. And if they get into conflict with each other, we'll, we have an interesting internal pattern going on. Yep. So um, in, in psychosynthesis, we say the 
this, these are sub-personalities almost. They can take on their lives and we can recognize them over years that they come back. Certain shapes of us come back. Mm. And sometimes we don't even know where they come from. And self-leadership in, in that context is how do I find my inner maestro, the orchestra leader, the one who can let to see, to see all these actors on the stage em empathetically be with them, get to know their motivations and their personalities and their qualities, and thereby also starting to act to, to, to shape a little bit the music. Yeah. Now we let the cello in. Oh, now and you can tone down and we'll let the bass in. You know, now the violins come in with their melody until everyone can work in harmony with each other. Mm. So that's another view of, the, of, the, of self leadership, finding your inner orchestra leader and then playing on all the qualities that you have. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> um, like the, the thing that is coming forward in, in, in my brain there is how do I, for not just for myself, but for my own clients and the people that I interact with on a daily basis, help people to understand that it is okay to bring forward all those parts of our personalities without feeling like a crazy person. Hmm. It's very hard because we believe uh, we judge our different parts and working in counseling and coaching and so forth. Uh, I think sometimes I think the judgment is the biggest obstacle and the judgment comes, it can also be very useful in life, right? Because without judgment, we cannot orient ourselves in, in, in leadership. Judgment is essential. Should I do this first and or this first? How should I prioritize my resources? So it's, it's an absolute quality. The shadow side of judgment is if we apply it to our inner world. Mm. If we start uh, saying that some parts of me are better than other parts, and that's when we get locked into some patterns. Mm -hmm. And after a while, it, it, we may have needed it when we did it in order to be uh, often, for example, to be included in our families, in our schools, in the, in the places where other people had opinions about us. We started hearing their, uh, their opinions, and then they became our judgments. So actually bringing forth the parts that we have parked somewhere, that we've hidden somewhere, requires facing the fear that we might be judged again. So it's just a deeply felt challenge, I think. Mm. Mm. And then for, for people who, you know, like myself and like, actually, you know, like a lot of the people listening to this podcast, mm. we're getting a little bit older taking on more responsibility in the workplace kids are getting older moving out we're finding more space to actually go in and do that personal work mm. um yeah. how do we how do we and i you know i'm, I'm already answering this question in my own head but i'm gonna i'm not gonna throw the answer out there i'm gonna keep it in there how do we uh help people to uh, understand and it, okay now i'm going to give this background this you know i was on a program with you last year mm -hmm. and with the the participants in that program uh one of the you came in and did some leadership and self-leadership and leadership for executive women that kind of stuff and for some of the people in this program the idea that doing the personal work to be a better leader in business mm -hmm. had never even occurred to them yeah. You know, they, they kept their personal lives and their business lives very separate. And, you know, it, like it, it really threw them. In, in Australia, we would say it threw them for six, which is a cricket reference. But, cool. you know, it, it, it oh. <laughs> you know, it, it really threw them. And they, they just sort of sat there going, um, it, it rocked the world and, and everybody could see it. Mm. Um, and I guess part of my mission is to help people like you're doing is to go, it is all connected. Mm. And we need to learn to bring forward all those parts of ourselves to be better leaders in the workplace as well as in the family life and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and then I'm leading to a question here somewhere. 
for this discussion here, how would you go about doing that? If you had somebody come to you and saying, I need to be a better leader in my workplace, uh, but I'm terrified of doing that. But I, I, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an internal push. Like I, mm. I want to do it. I know I need to do it, but I'm terrified of doing it. What would you say to them? Oh, I mean, if they come from that angle, it's already, uh, the work has already started. Mm. Because if they say, I, need, I want to make this movement, the inner movement, and I'm terrified, then it's like they're, they're seeing the inner journey. Mm. Uh, to your previous story, a lot of people come and say, tell me the five top tips that I need to do that I can just enact in order to be the leader that can go on to the next level. Mm. I would say some people can actually manage to navigate like that. As it, it, in my counseling coaching profession, I've really come to respect this idea that the, the, there has to be some sort of initiative or will from the person him or herself yeah. uh, and if the person comes and says i just want the the, the pure actions then sometimes i just think even if i yearn from the inside i'm like but that's not gonna be enough <laughs> i try to hold myself back and try to collaborate with the part of the person who wants to evolve somehow yeah. Yeah. Uh, if the person actually says i'm scared uh then i tend to start working with the feeling yeah okay the feeling one of the things which and this of course in the business world it's one of those paradoxes there are so many paradoxes right but if you work in the business world leadership is most often about action that's where you set all your goals and determine how, how your employees have done and who de deserves a raise and who doesn't and so forth it's all in the actions so even just making the transition to the possibility that it has something to do with your inner world is a big one so I often just say even that I, it's also about the, the inner journey and then a lot of people will not and some will just look like you said bewildered what um but, but uh, yeah and, and now I lost my thread because there's another <laughs> you know there are these paradoxes that are built into it yep. uh, that yeah that feeling has nothing to do with leadership yes that leadership is all about thinking strategizing acting and if you if you really truly believe that, then I don't think you ever choose the path of uh, personal development. But um, but feelings I've seen it very concretely also with the super high performers I've worked at the big big consultant firms where definitely feelings are like no, until they realize feelings are necessary to build relationships with clients. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. oh maybe I need them after all. And by the way, you have them whether you want to or not. Shit, that's can, can you help me like take them out, you know? But the feelings are all also very concretely keeping us from certain actions and orienting us to certain patterns. So in fact, they're a very concrete tool to work with if we mm. want to make any kind of change. So let me just summarize that statement. It's yeah. okay to have feelings. And let's work together to, to, to learn how to work with them as a tool rather than something to be shoved down into yes. them. They're very useful in helping us to become spontaneous, authentic leaders. And this is where I want to connect to what you said before about this, that like, yeah, well, I, I just wing it. I'm spontaneous. And the authenticity that comes with that is something that people often, very senior leaders, when you've got, gone, gone through all the, you know, the actual uh, hygiene factors or the functional skills to learn, and people at higher levels are looking who can actually take on an even broader and more complex role, they'll say, oh, that person lacks leadership or that person mm -hmm. has more of it. And you go, what aspect of it, right? Because it could be anything from like good enough at marketing to good at strategizing or good at making decisions. But that, at that level, very often what they're looking for is the capacity of someone to move between the capacity of fully listening and taking in what's going on and fully adapting to what's going on all the way to taking the lead in the moment in an authentic way saying, here's what I think, fearless way. Um, I, I think you're wrong because, or I'll take the fight with you. 
right? Mm. All the way from, from what you're doing in finding your fears, all the way from the fears, all the way back to be completely adaptive. And the more we have that range available as a leader, the more we can serve the situation and the people we work with. We know good leaders when we see them. We just don't know how to put words to it. And again, just putting my little summary in there. And the more yeah. we go in and do the inner work, the more we develop those tools to be able to have that range in the first place. <gasps> because feelings equals less rigidity, maybe. I don't know. Exactly. The feelings are the signal. The, the antenna, they are one of our antenna. I mean, the, com the body is so complex. It's body and feelings have all the antenna to what's going on around us yep. and if we don't if we shut willingly shut off any of those antenna we're more rigid yeah exactly <sighs> i'm just it's bad radio to go silent but i'm just having a moment which is just like see it's all connected people <laughs> yes it is and i have found myself show actually and also working with you guys last year and continuing more and more of that work and I'll just say, with more working with women lately, I've had this reflection that this 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 natural tendency to connect everything in order to make sense of it, mm. we just have a lot of that. But we try to compartmentalize because we we're, we're being taught that we're supposed to compartmentalize. But and I just it, don't think we're so you know it's not helping us. Is that a generational thing though? Because you know, what's your um, sense? Where's well, the next generation? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, because, you know, one of my little uh, things <laughs> that yeah. I say is, well, you know, I'm Gen X. And so I, my life is a bento box. You know, everything is <laughs> has its little compartment and that's where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, as as much as I personally like to talk about everything is connected, whenever I try to connect different flavors in my bento box it gets weird i get weird it, it doesn't get weird i get weird and i'm like oh i'm really uncomfortable because you're supposed to be over there and you're supposed to be over there um and then what happens go on with that you you get weird and then what oh you know then i get over it and i go fucking get over it joe and i move forward <laughs> <laughs> you know like but, but that's me and and i know i get weird about things even i like to think i've done a lot of personal work there and i step over my weirdness rather than letting me stop me from having a fun experience mm. um <laughs> but now I was going somewhere with the generational thing yeah but it, you know is that a generational thing because I having worked with people who are uh, younger than me uh and there there is this there's this big moment where people of the next <laughs> of the next you know i don't even know what they're called when i was younger they were called gen y yeah. but now they're older millennials or something i don't know anyway yeah. and also mm -hmm. with you know with with social media and that kind of stuff it, their whole lives just seem to be connected and there is no separation mm. which for me causes stress yeah and i don't know how it doesn't cause them stress okay so you make me think of one model that we also comes up in psychosynthesis well in in i think in, frankly in, in psychology right if you're looking mm. at inner development and it's this idea if you look at developmental stages the way they've been talked about uh, in the past 50 years you have lots of them when you're young right from birth to through magical years through teenage years when you have to socialize with people your age and then you have to free yourself from that and go into the working workforce and so forth there are patterns that are repeated for every human being yep. at going from caretaker into the, the grown-up world and there have been rites of passage around especially that going from family to grown-up world for as long as we can see right mm. So these things are also pattern. But one model I came to think of is this sense that when we're born, there's a sense of some sort of unity. Like we're working through our, very concretely through our skin basically to figure out where do I end and where does the other begin? And the word I, I heard sometime that comes for the child when there has been enough mirroring so that there's enough sense that there's something else that is not I mm. addresses mm. it. And that's when I get the first sense of what I is. Yeah. 
I'm just going to share a little life thing there. Yeah, is my, my, my two-year-old does yeah. He's just realised he can dress himself and he goes, I can. <laughs> and she's like, yes, you can. You're so good. And he's just, yeah, he's going through that, which is the, oh, oh I can do this. I, yeah. you know, you getting clothes on isn't something that we do together. It's something that I can do myself. And it's, if you think about this, this is like still not so research because we don't know how to create science and research for the phases that precede language. And until you were three, we don't have much language, right? We can say, I can do this. So we don't, we're not very capable, I would say. I've seen a little but not much of, of science around <coughs> uh, development before pre uh, three years. And when you think about it, the complexity of being able to be where your two-year-old is, to be able to actually dress, to be able to recognize that I am the one doing it, and to be able to say that is much bigger development step than any of the ones we take as 30-year-olds. Oh, but awesome. you know, I'm 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 taking a leaf out of his book at the moment. It's it's I'm taking some time to to emulate him and go. You know what? I can do this. For example, podcasting. You know, like I say, I just make it up as I go along, which is what everybody does. But I can do it rather than going. No, I can't do that, or I'm scared, or I'm I feel fear. It's just like yeah, but I can I still do, do it. it. Anyway. Yeah. These are the two principles. I, we make assumptions with our head. This is where our head, our head can be very helpful in thinking through strategizing and scenarios. It can also block us tremendously with those statements. I cannot do this. And it's an assumption. Yeah. And then you just do it. You go with another assumption and you say, I can do it. Yep. And then you start acting and something transforms. Yeah. And it, that, that development acting. movement is the same for any age whatever we express or put into action is our creation. And our creation is at some level inherently authentic. Yeah. And that's why the whole of the arts exists because we have a longing to create ourselves and we have to create and recreate ourselves all the time. Otherwise we start dying. Mm. And many leaders end up in, in not in stopping that. Okay, I'm comfortable enough. Then I'll just keep repeating the old. And then the creation can be felt in the inside as withering. So, yeah. But I'm just thinking back to your comment about the generations. It's interesting if you experience that there, everything flows together because there's one phase then which is unity. There's another which is, and we, which is complete also dependence in a way, right? Of parents. parents. Then there's integrity or the separation or feeling I am here and your son is having one of these the movement is constant mm. I can do this I'm independent from you I don't need you for this and, and and then we become we have to go all the way and it's super scary but the impulse is so strong that I can be completely separate from the background that created me and then we can separate things. And we need to practice both in our lives. If we get stuck only in everything is, is floating, then we cannot develop our awareness. So we also need this capacity to separate, to, to create the bento box. It's a very different thing to realize interdependence once we both know the, have the experience of dependence and independence. And then we can create a relationship based on both those qualities. So it's, I just read someone the other day talking about polarity, saying that this one is the constantly ongoing coming back in our lives, going from being with to being separate from, mm. go back to being with. And mm. how do we pass, how do we surpass that so that it's both and containing either or? Yeah. As a, yeah, yeah. As a critical component of it as well yeah or even yeah it becomes a bit abstract I realize I was, I was just about to use the term <laughs> that's very expensive <laughs> it's like yeah so my mind's just gone <gasps> and <laughs> yeah, but that's, and we're that's, yeah, exactly. that's yeah. the shadow of the end right there's yeah. since the the beauty of this synthesis at ever greater levels and the recogni recognition that beyond the synthesis, there needs to be a new differentiation. Yeah. yeah. And you know, just to put that in into my, my simple terms, uh, 
because <laughs> I need to make it simple for myself, which is I should do more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, it boils down to easy, hard, easy, right? Um, you know, which which for me is how I pretty much approach anything that that I am tenuous about or fills me with fear, which is I do something easy, I have a stab at the hard thing, I go back to doing something easy. Nice. So that I still get the feeling of, you know, I'm capable of doing things. Yeah. I tried the hard thing, either it worked or it didn't. We take lessons from it and then I'm still capable of doing things. Um, I love it. What a good stabilizing factor, it sounds like. Very concrete. Mm. I'll take that with me. No, easy, hard, easy. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Meanwhile, part of me is just sitting in the end going, and. <laughs> <laughs> let's go out there so bringing it back to leadership and and this marriage between personal leadership and leadership within the workplace Mm -hmm. becoming better in our chosen professions and that kind of stuff what makes a good leader in Hmm. your humble opinion in my humble opinion it has a lot to do with what we're speaking about which is self-awareness and inclusion of what I am and how I am in the world, whatever that means. This capacity and willingness to recognize and take ownership of how I enter the world. And then um, a willingness to learn. And not, you know, I would say those things. Uh, And then, of course, for each leadership role in each separate context, there are lots of very practical things that are very useful to know, right, about your context and so forth. But this, this, that capacity, and then, and then this realization that it's always about the movement and the willingness to move on between that awareness and being willing to go out there, like you say, the hard part and act mm. and do the difficult things and learn from them and not stop the action just because it gets harder, you know? So action, reflection, action, mm. reflection. Uh, and the willing, I really often, when I've done a lot of leadership assessments in my life as well uh, with all sorts of tenures and leadership just concretely looks very different at different levels of, you know, depending on, the level of complexity that you can hold. And I personally, I find super hard to lead people in the formal context of leading in that sense, because I immediately get drowned in the idea that oh, I'm responsible for their happiness. So, but, but in studying leadership, I can see that this, uh, I always check very early on, what's their willingness to work with what they have and what they don't have. Mm. Uh, and if they're willing, anything is possible, then anyone can be a great leader. But if someone says, I'm not willing to recognize that I'm doing this in not so good a way, for example, or that I'm, that I'm having this impact on people, when that, then that means that that cannot be addressed. Therefore, it cannot change. Mm. That's you know, the willingness to learn. Mm. And then, and I have a, a very specific person when I, when I, in mind when I ask this question. And I'm so going to send this to them <laughs> because I, and I'm curious about your response. What will you say to the person who is in that moment of discovering that they or discovering their own leadership style? Mm. Okay. And it is not what they've been seen or what they've been shown throughout their working career, but it is very much in tune with who they are as an individual, but they are scared to step into it. And, and show the workplace or you know, the, the rest of the world that their leadership style is still a form of leadership and together we can work to move forward. What would you say to that person? And just to understand you, are you saying that this is a person who's discovering something that they haven't done so far or discovering something that has been a blind spot to them? My understanding of the situation is this person is in an opportunity to step up, take leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are scared of scared of rejection and pushback because their personal leadership style is not the same as all mm. of the other leaders in the organization. Mm. But they have the opportunity. 
they've been offered the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then I would spontaneously say what you're describing is a situation of just a moment or a longer term uh, loss of touch with con with uh, confidence. Mm. Can I really do this in my way? Mm. And sometimes the, the environment will have said, "Go for it." What I what I found about leadership is also is that. Uh, a trait of it is to just step in and take the stick. And people, that action in itself is the leadership action. I take it. Okay. And what comes to mind for me is take it and make sure that you have good support around you. Mm. Somewhere outside of the space to deal with all the demons that you're facing in that moment mm. and why you take it and when you start it so that you to the best of your capacity, don't abandon yourself. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we need, it, it's your easy, hard, easy example. Can I return to something that is more easy for me if I take this with hard challenge? And will I be received there? You know? And it's all about the action. The action has to, 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 to um, go through the fear. And then the situation is completely different. That's another learning for me. The, the, the situation when we actually act looks and feels uh, very different from before the action, during the action and after the action. Uh, and very often what we're doing is we're, we're facing and challenging our, some of our own assumptions that may have been realities at some other point. We're facing them and uh, we're exposing us to the risk that they may still be true. And there's no safe way to do that. But when we do it, we can realize that the assumption was just a, an air castle, you know, as we mm. say in Swedish, Luftslott. Yeah. Uh, but who's there? In case something gets really scary, who's there to hold me this time? Mm. You know? Oh. <sighs> What's going on? I was say, yeah, who is there to hold you? And sometimes it's it's you, and sometimes it's other people. Uh, you know. It, okay, so the, you know, I'm just thinking of all the things that have. When you say that, I think also of, of that's another very useful thing. If you grow in leadership and responsibility, to learn to gradually uh, take the support and the help you need from the world. Just take it. Just uh, decide what would help me and then just shamelessly and greedily go get it. Because that's also guaranteeing that you can do something constructive and meaningful through your leadership. If you don't go and get that help, how, how can anyone else know the, what help you need? Mm. If, if you're able to go and get it, it also means that you're more able to provide it for others who also need it. So do it not only for yourself, but for everyone that you lead, yeah. everyone who's around you. So, and that leads me to a next question, which is for you, whilst because, you know, in your role, you support leaders. How important is it for somebody who is choosing a leadership role to have a coach and, you know, to have somebody who plays that very specific support role for them? I think it's a question to the individual leader. It's a typical question to ask oneself, but I think there is a, a belief that uh, for many of us that we're not allowed or entitled to ask that question. Mm. So it's a, it's a mistake that many people do often just because they haven't even thought of it as a possibility. But when they ask themselves, what do I need in order to be successful in this role with a responsibility for others or resources or whatever it is, what do I need to do this well from my authentic self? Uh, if a coach is helpful, then it's a great idea. Mm. I was talking to a person just the other day who was looking for this. And a, qu a question that came up for him was, what, can I, what am I allowed to, to bring into this concept, right? Uh, to this relationship? How much does it have to exactly pertain to the professional challenges I'm facing? And how much can it be about the doubts or the fears or the questions I ask myself about my position? And I just said, you know, these things are integrated. Back to the, it, they're integrated. So, so it, it, the, the arena is free. Let's shape it together 
trust yourself to go further than you think is permitted because it's actually, as long as it serves the intention that you have with your leadership, let's not, let's not close any doors before we've even started. Yeah. Because actually most of the, of the keys are within ourselves. Yeah. So let's not just look in the actions that we yeah. won't find so much there. Oh, I'm going to take another big, big deep breath there. Most of the keys are within ourselves. I love it. That's a really, I'm going to write that one down. It takes time to realize that. And there was really fear in that conversation. Like, I can't really talk about myself because I also have doubts about whether I should be doing this job. Well, you bet that that impacts people. Yeah. You know, of course you need someone to talk to about that. Yeah. If you don't sort that, if you don't have a place to think your thoughts through, then they impact every minute of your every day. Mm. So take, well, as a leader, I, I wish for everyone who leads to take themselves seriously. <laughs> Ooh. You know? But not too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and you can be the majority for that, Joe. I know that. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> let's, be able, let's be able to yeah. keep. Let's keep our ability to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right? I love it. Oh, and, and I've got so many things rolling around in my head right now about what you've just said. It's because it's it's huge, and you know what I'm hearing is self leadership and leadership in the workplace are all. It's all the same. And we just need to be brave enough to take action, to move move into those roles that we're wanting to play and hear it. And there, actually, there was a question in there where you were like, and you've got to listen. Mm. How, how do we hear that, you know, again, in your humble opinion? Because, it, you know, it, it's a big question a lot of people have. They're like, well, yeah, but I don't know what that is. And it's like, well, how do we learn to listen to what that answer is yeah. to what we want to do? The most frequent door that I have encountered is that we enter through some sort of felt friction. And given how complex we are, and if we actually hold this belief that I also do as a, is it for more systemic theory, that given the interconnection, that we are relational beings, yeah. that the complexity is much, much more unfathomable than we can imagine anyway. Yeah given all that there is no way there is just simply no way for me at least to understand what's going on so with time in my role i've learned to more and more surrender my understanding mm. i can understand or i can have a sense of of comprehension or meeting or connection with you in the moment uh, and i can interpret things that i see around me but i no longer strive to understand the bigger picture even of the people that I coach or counsel, because their depth is so beyond me. And my own depth sometimes too, which kind of, okay, whoops. Yeah, yeah. About that. But so, so therefore, and this also comes a little bit with, with complexity thinking, I, I've come to understand, go with via the friction if there is something that makes life uh, that creates a gap in you as a leader is, it creates a, a discomfort or creates mm. like you said this nausea of mixing the contents in the bento box right mm. <clears throat> what's that about and sometimes and we just have our own judgment to rely on mm. and we have to use it because no one else can go that deep into ourselves so what is going on here and what would what would I learn if I focused a bit on this and the same of course with the fears oh I can't do this because if I do it you know I yep. will be rejected yep. okay so let's test that what what makes you say that is it absolutely true work with the friction or the gap and then see is this something that I want to spend time on or not and what I found with people who go this path, some people just to take a few steps and then they solve something and then they're happy and they say, thank you very much, goodbye. And they go on. Uh, and, and others find a new door and a new door and a new door and keep going. And then you adopt the kind of choice of career that I've made. It's like, oh gosh, it's so fascinating. You know, we're so fascinating on the inside. Aren't we? 
Yeah. <laughs> Humans are weird. Yeah. No, but and the more we can include, the more we can hold, at least in that space, yeah, like adapters, you know, yeah. hold, create holding space for others. I really, truly believe that. Yeah, holding space for others. That's another one of my favorite statements. Holding space. I read for a others. list, a McKinsey list the other day. Someone presented here are the leadership skills that we need in, in these times, blah, blah, blah. Highest on the list, support. Really? See? Interesting. It's interesting, right? And then there were all sorts of things like the holding perspective. They had they found that there were four of them that related to organizational and personal health, like in a very complex setting. And one was uh, support was still there, and then there was problem solving, I think, and per perspective taking yeah. in one more, and the ca capacity to act. So um but but this idea of creating a holding space and creating a space where others feel uh, that they can be safe is a big part of any leadership role. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And, and you can lead in an authoritative way too and scare people. That's also possible. Maybe you'd bring some other kind of safety somewhere. It's it's not well, impossible. You know, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, nice, it, it, it's such an interesting statement because like as a martial arts instructor, yeah. You know, coming along with that is this idea of being the really strict, super disciplined karate master kind of person. Um, and so, you know, it's for me personally, what I do with that is I have this huge fear of being the authoritarian leader because I've had authoritarian leaders in my work career and rubbed up against that system you know, in, in an unhealthy way. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I try my very best to not be like that in, in my own business. But on the other side of it is martial arts requires discipline because we are, you know, we're essentially learning to kill each other with our bare hands. And the trust within that relationship is demonstrated by your ability to do what I ask and tell you to in a moment, because I am the senior rank. And if you can't do what I ask and tell you to do in a particular moment, that trust is eroded. Mm. And if right. that trust is eroded, I'm worried you're gonna punch me in the head. That's gonna hurt and I'm not, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's, yeah, there is this, this need for, uh, it's, it rubs up against me because I don't like the authoritarian way of no. doing things but on the same time i've got this this whole sanction in my bento box where, yeah. which has where to, do I have to explore that you know it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating and so what you're telling me about martial arts that i'm realizing when you say this is that it's really it there is a, it rests on a relationship between discipline and trust mm. and maybe we see the discipline more sometimes and sometimes we feel the trust more, I don't know, but probably from the outside, we see more of the discipline and the authority. But in fact, without that relationship, it's a completely different ball game. It is. And, yeah, sorry, you go, sorry. Yeah, but so, so, so I believe that leadership contains these types of relationships too. One thing is more visible and looks a certain way, but it's linked to something else that, that keeps it in check, right? It has to do with these polarities. And, and when we can access those, we do it in our different ways. Some visible, some invisible. But those polarities actually hold the arena in which we can operate. I believe that's why in some organizations, I mean, look at tech, tech companies now. There are many strange things happening in tech companies that have to do with lack of contact as well as super success, right? So there are these paradoxes operating and what is it that makes it work i can't answer that because i don't quite understand it but i'm sh i'm sure that there are there are these links right between safety and purposeful expansion mm. somehow mm. that uh that all of a sudden create a well create a space for something to emerge which is just we didn't have before yeah yeah anyway that was another abstract like <laughs> And then we, yeah, we went back, back to, to the ground but, <laughs> <laughs> but it comes back to action right it comes back to the actions that you're taking within your relationships to to have whatever it is that you're wanting to bring forward to come That's forward it. 
you know, in any in any given situation, if there's something that you're wanting to bring forward, it's got to come forward. You've got to help it come out. And if you're not taking the action to make that happen, it's going to stay where it is. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then you contribute. And that's also a realization of how am I contributing right now to the tension that I experience yeah. by either acting or reflecting or doing both or doing neither. Yeah. And there's this thing you've said in here, which says work with the friction of the gap, Mm. which I love. I'm going to steal that one because it is, it's to me, it's such a good description of that whole or the, the, a good way to recognize that there's something amiss Mm. and it is either friction, you're rubbing up against something or there's a gap, there's something missing. Mm. And the, you know, then, then you can sort of delve into it a little bit more. And yeah, so it attracts your attention very yeah. often somehow, or we feel it, right? And people will, di- will explain it in different ways, depending on what contact they have with their feelings, with their sense, physical senses. I met a guy once who said, no, I can't, I, I don't have any empathy. I can't feel anything. My partner tells me I can't feel anything. And I thought, that's not my experience in the world people it's it's part of being human right but i started asking a bit and then it turned out he was really tuned into what people were saying so i started checking turns out that he had language but it was completely based on physical sensations interesting so physical sensations were very precise for him and that was also how he used his antenna with others but he couldn't really cluster them into feelings but there wasn't really a difference he was using them exactly as feelings mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, so the gap, there was one more thing I wanted to add to the gaps and the friction. It just, it, it makes it possible for us as human beings to, to direct our attention to the fact that something, there's something I want to change or there's something that's not working. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be more precise than that. that it can be vague, but it, that's the spark of, I have a, an initiative in me. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can, then we can work on it. Uh, I had a, a wonderful teacher in the in psychosynthesis it comes from italy from a man called Asagioli, and one of his disciples was called massimo rosselli and he was a psychiatrist and a psychosynthesis coach and a shaman from bologna so he was wearing these like, I mean, it, like it looked like a real academic but then he would beat his drum and he's like who is this guy <laughs> anyway and he would say you can either work from the what wants to grow what wants to develop, you can go into the core of it and wants, see what wants to grow, or you can work with the resistance that is holding that back. So you can have a growth impulse. That's also a possible starting point. It's something that pushes against the, the shell, right? Mm-hmm. And says, I want to come out. And then the resistance makes itself felt. And for some people, it's just too much to ask to go beyond the resistance. And let's work with the resistance. Yeah. Why is it there? What purpose is it serving? How is it protecting me? Maybe to your the person you talked about, should I take this role? What if I get rejected? The resistance mm-hmm. says, I should be aware not to be completely excluded from anything. Very healthy. What if we assume that all the forces have healthy grounds for existing? Then we access the orchestration mm-hmm. point. In ourselves, love it, love it. It's fantastic. I'm going to put a pin in it there. <laughs> we're going to leave it out there in the big spacious universe of those statements, which is accessing the orchestration of ourselves. I love it. We'll leave everybody being yeah. expanded rather than bringing it back to back to reality. And we'll see what action ensues from that, right? Exactly, so right. <laughs> Go forth and take action, people. Go forth and take action. I love it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Inviting me to this lovely conversation. Thank you for that wonderful conversation. Now, if people who are listening to this want to get in contact with you to have their own wonderful conversations with you, can they do that? They can. How can I can be reached? I have a website called paxledaskop.se. And I will put yeah, a link yeah, to that in the show notes. And then uh, I have an email address, which is the same, Anna at. And that's awesome. where I can be found. Or on LinkedIn or anywhere else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> I'm going to stop recording.
And thank you, thank you, thank you, Anna, for such an amazing conversation. Takeaways, guys, takeaways. I have an entire list here of takeaways that I'm going to read through quite quickly, I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm still processing this conversation. I've listened to it three times already. Uh, and I am definitely going to have more conversations with Anna. It was so, so expansive for me. Um, and I think when I read through my points in, in terms of leadership and that kind of stuff, you know, the first thing that jumped out for me was are we seeking survival and safety when we're when we're displaying or learning or wanting to be a leader and decide what type of leader we are? Uh, are we leading from a position of expansive growth or are we leading from a position of survival and safety? Uh, which which is a good a good question to ask yourself, I think. Um, and then the, my next point here was finding your inner orchestra, which was such a beautiful metaphor there for me for to to almost give permission to the fact that we can and be different people in different situations. Uh, and you know, it, it, for us to be the best that we can be, we need to understand that 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 is what happens. Uh, and we need to work together with ourselves <laughs> and other people, but together with ourselves to make sure that everything is is going properly and we are moving and developing forward as as the you know in the best way we can. Um, my next point I have for you is learning to manage the needs for safety and inclusion as a leader. Uh, yeah, and you know also for yourself, right? Like so, understanding if you know you again your your behavior is motivated by safety and inclusion or if it's being motivated by growth and development or if it's been mo motivated by curiosity or or whatever but that safety and inclusion thing really kind of hit home for me uh oh god okay the list the list goes on working with feelings as a tool oh my goodness um and this this is something that's come up for me over the past few years is understanding that feelings are a tool that they are not, you know, we have feelings, but we don't need to get, it's going to sound, this is going to sound very callous maybe, but maybe not, you know, it's, um, you know, remembering that feelings are valid and important uh, and, you know, how do we work with them rather than letting them take control of the situation. Uh, interdependence. That's always a good one, particularly when you're in a relationship. Uh, there's some oh, big trucks going by outside. Sorry about the sound, people. Um, go with the friction, uh, which was a really cool one for me because you know if you're feeling if you're feeling uncomfortable, then why? Why you feel uncomfortable? What's happening there? Uh, we need support, and we need to ask for support, and we need to take and accept the support. support. And as, as leaders, as we move into leadership roles in our lives, you know, support is key and it's important. And, uh, you know, excuse me, we need to recognise that we are entitled to it and we should take it when it's offered. And if it's not being offered, seek it out. And then finally, and this one is the most important one of all, <laughs> action is key. And, you know, it's all well and good wanting to do things, wanting to be better, wanting to help people, wanting to move forward. But it's not until we actually take action does do any of these things happen. Uh, so, wow. So that was a really big, long, awesome conversation for me. Um, I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did. Of course, we're going to put all the stuff up in the show notes. Thank you again, Anna, for coming on to my humble little pod and having that great conversation. Uh, so now moving on to shout outs and things like that. I want to give a big shout out to my friend David and his company called Two Decay. They have recently released a whole new range of earrings. You should totally go check them out. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes to them. Uh, and then if you want to help support us and this podcast and my business and doing things like that we have a patreon you can go in and support us through patreon i will put the link in the show notes there if you'd might like to make a one-time donation there is a paypal.me link in the show notes as well uh, or if you are interested in getting some coaching i am a coach i do uh, personal coaching which means we take 
we, you know, we, we sit down, we look at your situation, we take you from where you are to where you want to be, goal-oriented, action-oriented coaching, that kind of stuff. Or if you're interested in getting in contact with Anna and having a chat with her about what it is that she does, I will put a link in the show notes to her website too. Thank you, awesome people. Have fun, be good. Uh, keep doing your awesome stuff. And I will be back, hopefully, a lot sooner than I was last time with our next episode. Bye for now.